That might seem like a strange transition there at the end, but I think a lot of people, that's the way we come to church on Sunday. We come in our recliners. We come to a place expecting that God is going to bless our socks off when we've done nothing. We haven't surrendered. We haven't laid down our lives. I want you to notice that as you looked at that video, the discrepancy between the size of that megachurch, led by that prosperity gospel preacher, and I want you to kind of look around here this morning. We don't have 10,000 people in here, do we? We don't have 20,000 people in here this morning, do we? Jesus said, narrow is the gate. Narrow is the gate. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, this morning, every single person in here walked into this room with our stuff, with our ego and our pride, with our preconceived ideas about who you are and who you should be. We came in here with some sense of entitlement about what it is that you as God are supposed to do, what you're supposed to do for us. And as they said in that video, the gospel, the good news, the truth of who you are is about dying. It's about dying to self, about dying to our flesh, about dying to the disgusting, ugly nastiness of who we were in Adam, in the Garden of Eden, when we turned our back on you and we said, my way is better than your way. And yet we still walk around thinking that we can hang on to some of that flesh, some of that old self, some of that stuff, that we don't really have to walk in here and let go of all of that garbage. We think that we can walk in here and we can kind of cut and paste. We can take away some of the bits and pieces of the stuff that we like And then the really challenging stuff about dying, about giving up self, about considering others as more important than we are, we conveniently drop that stuff. It falls by the wayside. We want you to be our healer, but we don't want to make you the Lord of our life. God, for that this morning, I can't speak for others. I can speak for me that I apologize. And I'm not just sorry. I come to you with a repentant heart. Help me, help us to be focused exclusively on you. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Some Sundays I come in here with one or two slides. Some Sundays I come in here with a whole lot. And I'm going to be talking fast because today I came with a whole lot. We're in this... Gospel of Matthew series, we're in chapter 7, verses 7 through 23, and today is about being equipped to pray, protect, and produce. Here we go. In the beginning, God said, let there be light. God saw the light, it was good, and God separated. Last week, we looked at this verse and we said, when we're talking about judging, that God is a God who judges, right? He judged, He's discriminating, He's discerning. And being that he's God, he's always right. From the very beginning we saw this, that he judged. But he's not just a God of judgment. He's not just that. He's a God of action. Hey kids, what did I say when you saw this? 
Y'all already started falling asleep. Here we go. Action. See, and then we come to Matthew's Gospel, and in chapter 1, verse 1, we read... Our English translations don't really do it justice because a lot of them say it's a historical record or a genealogical record. But what it is, is it's two words that are book and Genesis. It's the new Genesis. It's the book of Genesis. That's where Matthew's taking us. See, the old book of Genesis, we mess things up. And God made a promise that He was going to reconcile and restore everything. And Matthew's letting us know that this guy, Jesus, who is the Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham, that he's the one through whom everything's going to be resolved. Our sin, our junk, our pride, our nastiness, our flesh, Jesus is going to go to the cross and he's going to die for us. So that when we make Him the Lord of our life, that's the good news, right? That's the gospel that we take to the ends of the earth. Are we doing that? See, we could be like this guy, the old man that we saw in the recliner that he had it modified so that he could actually drive his recliner wherever he wants to go. I don't know if you saw it in the video, but he actually had a taillight on the back. And like I said, I think a lot of us, we come to church on Sundays and we pull up our armchair, our recliner, and we're going to critique the music. Eh, well, it was all right. You know, they missed a couple of notes. You know, they, they, they should have somebody better on, you know, maybe the guitar. Maybe they should have a, a trumpet. I noticed that they don't have any drums up there. That pastor, he talks way too much and he's too loud and he spits a lot. So I'm not sitting on the front row told somebody a couple weeks ago, it would be like, SeaWorld, I should have Splash Zone on the front row. And if you want to sit there, you get a plastic cover. See, we could be like this guy. We could be like the hypocrites, the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes. We could be like that. But Jesus doesn't desire that for us. I think Matthew could have started off his gospel. He could have. And don't get mad at me. I'm not really saying this. It's a little tongue-in-cheek. Somebody's going to come up and say, so you're saying we should change the word. No, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying it for impact. That he could have started off and said, Dear lazy, misguided, comfortable, fruitless, elitist, and entitled religious has-beens. He could have started that way. Biblical scholars say that it was written to the Jews. And you have to agree with that in cultural context because they were the religious has-beens. They're the ones who went through the divine discipline of 400 years of silence. And Jesus comes on the scene and He's telling them, everything you thought you knew is wrong. Everything! I went on a vision tour with some folks that were from Texas, that were pastors. We went on a vision tour up to the northwest, Portland and Washington. We went up there and we talked to some church planners that are doing amazing work. And the greatest part about it is, is that, see, Christianity isn't expected. Going to church on Sunday isn't something that when your neighbor finds out you don't go to church, that they kind of look down their nose at you. If your neighbor sees you with a beer, they don't judge you. If you have a cigarette hanging out of your mouth, they don't sit there and go, he's going to hell, she's going to hell. Oh yeah, that makes me want to go to your church. 
That makes me want to hang out with you. That makes me want to hear what it is that you have to say. But see, here down in the south in the Bible Belt, down here, see what we do is... Everybody, I talked to a woman this week in the hospital who's a recovering drug addict whose life has gotten so far away from her. When I started talking to her about Jesus, oh, I know all that stuff. I know, and then she started giving me advice on how to run the church. Hold up! See, down here, we think we got it. And so I think the Gospel of Matthew is for us. We think we got it. We're so comfortable like that guy in that recliner. I can just roll up on Sunday. I'm just going to roll up on Sunday. I'm going to come in and I'm going to judge. I'm going to point my finger. I'm going to look down at people. And then I'm going to roll off. What impact did you have on anyone or anything for God's glory? Zero. Did you get here a little bit early to help out? Maybe to empty a trash can? Or was it all about you? Did you do anything this morning in preparation? Did you pray? Or was it all about you? I wonder. Dear lazy, misguided, comfortable, fruitless, elitist, and entitled religious husband. See, if you came to church today and you said, I am so sick and tired of church, praise God, I am too. I'm so sick and tired of church people who think they got it all figured out. We're experts. Yeah, I've been reading the Bible. I've been going to Sunday school since I was two. I got it all figured out. Jesus is talking to you. What's the key? Hey kids, what's the key? Matthew's gospel is a gospel of action. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And then somebody out there, maybe it's one of you, maybe it's someone who listens to this sermon, is going to say, oh, he's one of those pastors that's preaching a works-based salvation. Wrong. You're a fool and an idiot if that's what your takeaway is from this sermon. You're wrong. Which God prepared in advance for us to do. Ephesians 2.10 See, Matthew's Gospel is all about contrast. See, on one side you've got these lazy, religious, elitist sycophants that they think that because Abraham is their father, they think because they've got the right religious garb on, they think because they got these big phylacteries on their head, they think because they do religious stuff, that they're going to get into heaven. And Jesus makes it very clear, you're not. You're not going to get there from here. It's easier for a camel on roller skates, lubed up, getting slingshot downhill into a hole. It's easier for that to happen than for you who are full. Not just rich. Say, I'm not rich. You're full. See, you think you already got it figured out. I've already got all the answers. I've been to Sunday school. I taught Sunday school. I know what I'm doing. I should be writing the book on this. Where's the fruit? Where's the good fruit? Who's going to be in heaven because of you and your sacrifice? I wonder. And the contrast on the other side is that Jesus calling these disciples, these men, 
that are humble enough in their hearts to say, Jesus, you know what? I know I don't have it figured out. I'm a knucklehead. I'm kind of dense. I'm kind of slow. I don't consider myself an ivory tower scholar. I'm kind of helping my dad over here with the fishing nets. And you got something different. And instead of being intimidated by you, instead of being worried about your ministry and what it is that you have to say, I'm going to lean in. I could learn from that guy. Who can you learn from? Who can speak life and truth into your life? Are all the teachers at school idiots? Yeah. Last week I was talking to Christine and I said, how was uh, Sunday school this week? And she said, oh, it was good. But one of the kids told me when I said, what was your takeaway from the sermon? I don't know. I wasn't really paying attention. Why are you here? If your mom and dad are forcing you to be here and there's no takeaway, listen to me right now. In all honesty, go. See, because there's no benefit, there's no bonus, there's no box to check that's saying that you're going to get anything out of this at all. If you're just sitting here. If all of this is just runoff, and mom and dad are hoping by putting you somehow in this place that you're going to absorb it, you're not. See, your heart has to be in the right place. I don't care if you're 100 years old or if you're 5 years old. Your heart has to be in the right place. Contrast. Religious people going through the motions and disciples. Which one are you? See, because over here, this contrast is there's no fruit being produced. There's a lot of activity. There's a lot of action. But there's no good fruit. There's no produce. And over here, Jesus says all throughout his gospel, he says, if you're going to be my follower, if you're going to be my disciple, you can't look like that. Are we getting it? See, there were these guys at the beginning, these magi. They traveled for two years. And we say, that's crazy. Jesus lays that out at the beginning to say, that's the standard. That's the norm for what it is that people will do. What they'll do with their lives. If you really love me, then that's what it's going to look like. It's going to look like that. Two years. I don't know what the road lays ahead. I've never even been in that direction before. They were from the Far East. They'd never been that far. Two years. And we get a little bit of rain on a Sunday or a Wednesday night, and there's no one in here. No one. Two years. Are you religious? Are you expecting extra credit? I was telling somebody this week that I was raised Catholic. When we were kids, my parents would sometimes go to services on Saturday night. And so what we would do is we would pull up to the church on Sunday morning, we'd go in, and we'd get a bulletin. That was our evidence. That was our proof. How could we not be there if we had a bulletin? And then we would walk out and we'd go have breakfast. And then we'd get home and mom would say, did you go to church? And we'd go, we went to church. I got a bulletin, mom. And then just like some of the little kids that we teach, well, what was it about? Jesus. It was about Jesus. And my mom would go, oh, okay. 
two years. Hmm. Hmm. Do you see the contrast? Do you see it? How did you come this morning? Does it look more like that? Or does it look more like that? Does it look more like Magi? Or does it look more like the guy in the recliner? I wonder. We got one. Thank you. Matthew's gospel goes along and he confronts Satan, right? He confronts Satan, and when Satan's done with everything that he's got, he's unloaded the armory on Jesus. He's tempted it in every way he knows how. And at the end of it, Jesus is standing there, just as cool as a cucumber, unscathed. And he says, go away, Satan, go away. And what does Satan do? What does Satan do? What does Satan do? He goes away. Jesus wins. Why is that significant? Because all the way back in Genesis, what did God say? Eve was going to have an offspring. And when he came, he was going to crush the head of the serpent. Nobody's ever done that before. I know you're not excited. We got kids yelling action. I'm telling you, the contrast between the religious people and who disciples are. That's interesting. Are you more like that? Are you somebody that's full of action? Yeah. And then Jesus, after that, he goes into the waters of the Jordan and he's baptized to identify with us in our sin and our shame. And he becomes so intimately connected to humanity so that when he goes to the cross and he dies for our sins, it it means something. It counts. But will you identify with him? Is it like this? Is that what Jesus' life looked like? Is that what it looked like? Or was it a life of action? I think it was more like a life of action. See, and Jesus in chapter 4 calls these disciples, the people he wants to be on this side, he wants to get it. Not to be like these fools over here who are trusting in Abraham, trusting in their genealogy, trusting in their hats and their clothing. And he says, come, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Is it going to look like that? You ever seen somebody in a recliner go fishing? Or does it look like that? Matthew 5.11, Blessed are you when they insult you and persecute you, falsely say every kind of evil against you because of me. Has anybody here ever been persecuted while you were sitting in your recliner? Anyone? Anyone? Maybe by your wife, right? You guys are sitting there saying, I've been persecuted plenty. I've got a list of honeydews. You need to get up and get after that stuff. But I mean really persecuted. Have you ever really been persecuted? Or action, right? Is it a life and a ministry of action? See, and then in 5.17, Jesus says, don't assume, don't make assumptions, don't think you've got it figured out. See, because that's what these guys look like. That's what these guys look like. 
I got it figured out. I went to a Christian high school. I was there from the time I was in kindergarten. I was inundated with that stuff. Man, I've read so many books about this and Jesus and Tim Tebow and all these other things. Man, I know what it is to be a Christian. I don't need to hear from that pastor guy up there, blah, blah, blah. I'm just going to fold my arms and kind of kick back and just wait for, wait for brunch to come because i got it figured out. You know what category you're in? Right here. And Jesus said, you'll never enter into the kingdom of heaven. And if that doesn't bother you, whoo, I'm just saying, don't assume. Does it look more like that? Or is it like... And then Jesus, all throughout the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, you've heard it said, don't murder. See, even if you've got anger in your heart, that's the same thing. Don't commit adultery. If you're lusting after someone or something, it's the same thing. You've heard it said that divorce is okay. It's not okay, except for in one specific case of sexual immorality. But even then, I'm still making a concession for you. See, because if it was really okay to divorce someone because of infidelity, what would God have done to you? What would God have done to you and to us? Infidelity. I'm an infidel. That's why I need salvation. That's why you need a Savior. I got it all figured out, Pastor. I asked Jesus into my heart. I'm good. I'm good. Don't break your oaths. He says, don't even take them. You've heard it said, an eye for an eye. And I say, go the extra mile. You've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemy. It's kind of different. See, you got these guys over here in a contrast. Who is Jesus calling us to be? Fishers of men. Fishers of men. See, we could be like this guy or we could be people of action. We could be people of action. I hate this slide, but I had to put it up there. See, because what we do on the sermon a couple of weeks ago is that we ignore the warning signs, right? I hate that statue of Jesus because he's sitting there with a thumbs up and he's kind of winking with one eye and he's giving you the pistol like, hey, what's up, homie? See, that's what we like our Jesus to be. He's kind of a laid back, like a 70s Jesus, right? He's just kind of cool with whatever. He just goes with the flow. And I can't imagine a God who's all love and peace. I can't imagine a God like that sending anybody to hell. Did you hear the woman in the video? I struggled with the idea of a God who's love sending people to hell. I struggled with it. And Jesus says, beware, but because we see ourselves over in this camp, we don't take him seriously. And Jesus says, beware. Is it like this, or are we supposed to be people of action? That's right. Then Jesus says in 625, don't worry, right? Don't worry. Don't worry. What's the problem with worry? It's inherently selfish. Tell me one thing that you've ever worried about that had anything to do with the mission and the kingdom of God. It's silent. And it should be. Because, see, our anxiety, our worship, doesn't have anything to do with Jesus when it's idolatry. And Jesus says, don't be anxious. Somebody showed me this picture several, 
uh, months back of Mel Gibson while they were filming The Passion of the Christ. And Mel Gibson is sitting there and he's talking to the actor, uh, James, I can never pronounce his last name, Cavizel. And he's sitting there and he's talking to him, dressed up, and it's part of the crucifixion scene. And it looks like Mel Gibson is, is kind of complaining to him. And they sent me this picture and they said, this is probably what Jesus looks like when I'm bringing my complaints to him. The battered, crucified, bloodied Savior, and I'm talking to him about fill in the blank. Something other than kingdom business. Maybe it's what color to, what color or what pattern to do on your patio furniture. Maybe it's your neighbor who parks in front of your house. Don't worry. See, we're supposed to be people of action, but not just any kind of action. It's supposed to be the right kind of action. And that's when Jesus, last week, we were talking about judging, said, don't judge like these guys. Don't judge like these hypocrites who are sitting over here. I want you to judge like fishers of men, my disciples, who are going to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. That's right. You're supposed to be people of action. So today, as we talk about being equipped to pray, protect, and produce from Matthew 7, 7 through 23, I'm going to read it for us. Turn there. I'm reading from the Holloman Christian Standard Bible. Jesus is speaking and he says, Keep asking and it will be given to you. Keep searching and you'll find it. Keep knocking and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open. What man among you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? Therefore, whatever you want others to do for you, do also the same for them. This, this, this is the law and the prophets. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the road is broad that leads to destruction. There are many who go through it. How narrow is the gate and difficult the road that leads to life, and few find it. Beware! Beware of what? False prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravaging wolves. You'll recognize them by their fruit. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? In the same way, every good tree produces good fruit, but a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit. Neither can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that doesn't produce good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So you'll recognize them by their fruit. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, and do many miracles in your name? Then I will announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers, you workers of iniquity. Powerful words. Powerful words. So what is Jesus saying? Keep asking, keep searching, keep knocking. 
What's your prayer life like, folks? What did you pray about this morning before you came? What did you pray about this week that didn't have something to do with you? That didn't have something to do with what you want, but about what God wants. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. See, is it about my stuff, what I want, the things that are all important to me, or Jesus? And I'm going to lay down my life and be a father of men and take the gospel to the ends of the earth. I think so many of us in our prayer lives, we ask something one time, and Jesus doesn't answer, and we say, well, I knew it, he wasn't really there. Jesus wasn't really there. He didn't answer my prayer. I got news for you, folks. I got news for you. It may just be that the reason why Jesus didn't answer your prayer is because He doesn't know you. Do you remember what I just read? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father. See, if you're out doing your own thing... If you're pursuing your own goals, your own mission in life, and then things go off the rails, and then you call out to Him, Jesus! See, in Proverbs 28.9 it says, If anyone turns a deaf ear to my instruction, even their prayers are detestable. See, we have a hard time believing that God would find our prayers detestable. But that's reality. Because Scripture says it's true. If we're just firing up stuff that we want when we want it, it's not going anywhere. It's falling on deaf ears. Jesus isn't listening. He'll allow you to wreck yourself, wreck your life, and then when you really do call out to Him, He'll step in, He'll intervene. See, your prayers, your prayers have to be prayers of action. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done. Beware of false prophets. See, there's that same word that Jesus used back at the beginning of chapter chapter 6 when He said, Be careful, beware, caution, not to practice your righteousness in front of people. Be careful about the way that you give, about the way that you pray, about the way that you fast, about the stuff that you're collecting and the priorities that you have in life. I can see I'm starting to lose, folks. Getting bored. I already got this figured out. Hang in there! Hang in there! Beware of false prophets! Beware! We say, Jesus, we don't really have to worry about that. That was back in the olden days, right? We don't really have false prophets anymore, right, John? We don't have any, right, Mike? We don't have any false prophets in the church today. We just watched a video of a stadium packed with thousands and thousands of people standing right in front of a man who's sitting there telling him, as long as you write me a check, as long as you send in your money, you have prosperity. You're going to have health, wealth, and long life. But we don't have to worry about that today, right? That's over there. That's, that's at Osteen's church. This isn't Osteen's church, so we don't have to worry about it here, right? We have people trying to infiltrate our church as well. See, we think that it's just that kind of stuff that we have to worry about. 
it's just that kind of stuff that we have to worry about. It's just that kind of prosperity gospel stuff that we have to worry about. I've heard it from your mouths. People in our congregation, well, they're a nice person. They're nice people. That's a nice person. That's a nice couple. I like them. They should be in leadership. That person should be over and in charge of something. What does Jesus say? Whoo! Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. Our church has gone through a ministry-safe program. It's a ministry that helps us as a church protect our kids from people who are pedophiles, who are sexual predators, that prey upon children. And what they do is they work their way into churches and then they buy their time. It's the long con. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to say, Angela, I know John's out of, out of town for a while, so if you need help, then I could always come by and I could mow the lawn or I could trim your trees. Whatever you need done. Oh, he seems really sweet. That would be really nice. You know, if, if, if anybody really needs anything, I'm the guy, I can help you. And what that person's really thinking of is down the road at some point, there's going to be a crisis or an emergency. And you're going to turn your back and you're going to leave your kids alone with me, the nice guy, the nice guy. Oh, he wouldn't do that. He was the one that, that helped. He, he's the guy that, he, he did all these wonderful, nice things. See, we're, we're aware of it and we're, we listen and we beware when it has to do with our kids. But when it comes to our church and people come in here and they want to get their hands involved in ministry, they want to stand at the doors and hand out bulletins, well, that's okay. It's a nice person. They're representing our church. It's okay if they stand in the soup line and then every person that walks through... You're an ambassador. You're a face of God's church. Beware. Oh, well, that's different. It's not different. See, because then they get embedded, and then they become the majority, and then the church becomes about bingo night and about being nice. And then the next thing you know, it's not about the gospel anymore. And then it turns out, guess what? It's not the church. Hey, kids... Do you all remember what that action is supposed to be? Take the gospel to the ends of the earth. They got it. Do we got it? But I will keep on doing this as Paul in 2 Corinthians. I'll keep on doing what I am in order to undercut those who want an opportunity to be regarded as our equals. Pastor, how could you put out a document and say that we have to sign something to be a member of your church? Who are you? Who are you to say whether or not I'm a member of your church? And Paul says, I will keep on doing what I'm doing in order to undercut those who want an opportunity to be regarded as our equals. If you're not doing the work of the gospel, you are not my equal. And you don't belong in ministry in this church or any other one. And if you can't sign a document that says you align with our vision and our mission and our values, then don't ask to be an equal. Paul said it. 
For such are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan, their father, disguises himself as an angel of light. Did you think about that? Man, pastor's pretty harsh on people. Pastor's pretty harsh on people. Action! Are you taking the gospel to the ends of the earth? Do you fall into this category or into this one? See, because there is no third category. Jesus goes on to say that we'll recognize them by their fruit. Not about being nice. I love the phrase that we use down here in the South. We say, man, that's just a salt of the earth person. They're just salt of the earth. What does that mean? See, if you're taking it from Scripture where Jesus says that we're going to be salt and light, we're going to function the way that He intends us to, that we're going to be persecuted for the gospel. Can y'all do me a favor? And if you're someone who uses that phrase, and it's not someone who's out there doing the ministry and the work of the gospel, don't use it anymore. Because they're not salt of the earth people. You're either born again by the Spirit, and you're taking the gospel to the ends of the earth, or you're not. You'll recognize them by their fruit. We said this last week, ministry is completely irrelevant to those who are lost, deluded, and disillusioned when... Do you remember? It fails to intersect with people where they live, work, play, and learn. And it fails to function. No longer salt and light. No longer producing a good fruit. No longer taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. No longer kicking down the gates of hell. Is that what we're doing? Is that what you're doing as a church? Is that what we're doing? Are we producing? Are we producing? We have a short video that I'm going to play for you. This is from Voice of the Martyrs. This is going to be our time of invitation. I just wonder, you know, today the gospel is teaching us about to be equipped to pray, protect, and produce. And I wonder if your prayers are anything like the prayers of the people in that community I wonder if our prayers have anything to do with the mission of God, the ministry of the gospel to the ends of the earth. I wonder if our prayers are more akin to that of the teachers of the law, the hypocrites, the Pharisees, or if it's truly about being fishers of men. Whatever the Holy Spirit's placed on your heart this morning, I just ask you that you'd respond during this time of invitation.